Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. It's an encounter somewhat unusual between Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, and a woman from Canaan. But if you read the whole portion of the scripture, in the end, the verse 28, we read that the great is thy faith. This is coming from the lips of Jesus Christ. He's saying, woman, you have a great faith. And that's the end result of that encounter. Very unusual, but the result was good. And Jesus Christ was marveled at her faith. When was the last time that God marveled at your faith? When was the last time I did something so great that God had to stop everything and say, man, that's great faith. We have become so many just mundane Christians. At times we seem to serve different God compared to God in the Bible. Or all-powerful God, we say, all-omniscient God, all-present God, we all say and believe, but in our practice, it seems, rarely we seem to demonstrate who true God is to us. When was the last time you really felt that God was with you? God's presence. When was the last time you really felt you heard the voice of God? that you were so marveled or so uh, embarrassed perhaps even that you had to hit the floor. You have to find a corner somewhere and pray before the Lord. Lord, I am a sinner. Save me or whatever the request might be. We are living in an age that is not receptive of the Bible. We have changed so much. The Bible is still here, but Bible is no longer revered as God's Word. Worship services have changed. It's no longer worshiping God or praising His wisdom or His Word or what He's doing through our lives. Rather, it's a wisdom of men we talk about. Education, psychology, and how to please people. How to be a better, become a better Christian so-called in this society. When is the last time you're supposed to tangle in this society and be praised by this society that we are good Christians? That does not make sense. We are called to be separate. Be with the Lord. Be separate, saith the Lord. But we are quite happy to be with the world. We enjoy the world as much as we do spiritual things and still say we are good Christians. I come to service on Sunday morning, talk to a Buddhist, talk to a Muslim, talk to a Hindu. How many times do you go to your temple to worship your God? Once on Sunday morning? That's what Christians do. I'm afraid many of us do too. Brother Richard does most of the preaching for the English side, so I don't get to know you very well. So uh, I have a little more freedom than Brother Richard to preach what I want to preach. 
because, you know, all the blames will be on him next week. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not here. Yeah, I'll be just simply preaching to the Korean Congress next week, all right? Yeah, so I have a little more freedom, but the, uh, hopefully that the, uh, it's not just a personal kind of feelings, but hopefully that is coming from the wisdom of God. With this encounter, I want you to see three things. What caused Jesus to marvel with this woman? I want you to see her timing of faith. Her timing. Verse 22 says, it's a woman of Canaan. We read about her ancestry here. She was a woman. She's from Canaan. She's a Greek Gentile. Very unusual background. A woman approaching a Jewish man for help. That's not socially acceptable at that time. But she still approached Christ despite her ancestry. She's a woman. She's not even a Jew. She was Gentile. But she still approached Christ. I want you to see her adversary. Verse 22. She's saying, My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She's saying, My daughter is sick, evil possessed, and I need your help. She came seeking help from a Jewish person. It's a woman of no hope with a child. The woman with no status, no social status, perhaps no husband, no financial support. She had basically nothing. She was a woman of adversity. Except one thing, though. She didn't have much. She was in a very difficult situation. She was a woman, a Gentile, seeking help from a Jewish man, and she had no husband to represent her, and she had no financial support whatsoever. But there was a something she had. That is what is called discernment. She knew what she was seeking. She knew whom to seek. She knew there's only one way left. I got to go and see Jesus. I don't know much about this person, but I know he's the one who can heal my daughter. Where did she get all this spiritual discernment? Bible does not really say, but she was at least somewhat spiritually aware of what's happening around her. She heard about perhaps the itinerary of Jesus, what Jesus did, the miraculous work he did. And she, despite all her efforts, she knew that the nothing is done. Now the only option that is left to her is to see Jesus. And that's exactly what she wanted to do. She went seeking Jesus Christ. In verse 22, you see that the, she cried unto him, saying, Imagine a woman in a crowded area just crying out after a Jewish man, just crying out, say that, Have mercy on me. It's not difficult, it's not easy to say that. It is somewhat degrading. Socially even unacceptable, a woman crying in a square after a man. But she said, have mercy on me. She was a woman of desperation. But she was a woman of discernment. That's a point. She knew 
what she was seeking. She knew how to exercise her faith. Exercising faith is what we lack today. We have the knowledge of the Word of God. We know how to be saved. We know how to even lead somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But most of us are silent about Jesus Christ. When was the last time you took out a track and gave it to somebody in person? When was the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus Christ? Yeah. And we say, we are Christians. We all want to be more like Jesus Christ. But please, for this woman, she had nothing much, socially speaking. She was desperate, but she was some, some kind of discernment, and she wanted the help from Jesus Christ. If you verse 22, she's saying, Thou son of David. She even recognized that. You are not just a Jewish rabbi. I know you are the son of David. Where did she get that idea? Where did she get the information, being a, Jew, being a Gentile? She has some spiritual discernment. In verse 25, she worshipped him and saying, Lord, help me. A woman of desperation, but woman of discernment. Faith is meant to be active. Brother Robbie said it a few minutes ago, yeah. Faith is something that needs to be exercised, that needs to be practiced. And for by reason of youth, by practicing our faith, we have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. By practicing our faith, we'll increase our level of discernment. We become more mature Christians by exercising what we believe. It's like going up a stepping stone, a stair. You know one thing and you practice one thing. Then you'll get up to the second stage. And you practice your level of faith, then you'll go up to the next stage. It's like a stepping stone. Your faith continues to grow when you practice. But if we simply be content, not just knowing it, just believing it, let's say, but if you do not practice what you believe, your faith is not going to change. The people of Israel went against the city called Jericho. Everybody in Jericho was scared to death. They all heard what God did through this nation. They knew that their city is going to be destroyed. But there was only one person called Rahab who took a stand. I know what I heard. I know what God is going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to practice my faith in God by hiding those spies. In an action. She took it. A tiny discernible decision she made. We read about midwives in Exodus chapter 1. Midwives, when Moses was born, 
they were supposed to kill that baby. But those midwives again took a stand. That's not right. I'm not going to kill these babies. I believe all trust in God, all believe in God. And they saved these babies. In other words, the midwives, they had a discernment enough to decide right and they could stand for it by exercising their spiritual discernment. Not only that, we read about Simeon and Anna at the temple, Luke chapter 2. We read about Mary and Martha who was better in, in the sight of God. We read about different stories in the Bible each time. There's a decision made, a timely decision made based on spiritual discernment. I witnessed to a man last Sunday. Is Chiwon here this morning? Yeah, no, she's not here. It's Chiwon's uh, dad. I witnessed to him uh, last Sunday, and I went through the, uh, the plan of salvation. And he understood everything. He understood and even believed in his heart. So we went to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, 9 and 10, and we spoke about with your heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession and salvation. Very familiar passage. And what does the Bible say? He read it personally, and he said, Yeah, I believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins, and he's the only way to save you, uh, only a salvation, then what does the Bible say? I asked him. So he said, oh yeah, confession is made with your mouth. And I was, my question, are you willing to make that confession with your own mouth? He hesitated for a minute. That's what the Bible says. That's faith. You don't know everything what the Bible says, but if you believe what you know, if you practice it, God will honor it and God will save you. And he said, oh, the momentum. Seize the momentum, he replied to me. I need to seize this moment. I may never have this opportunity again to trust Christ. So he seized that moment. He saw the momentum. He saw the timely, the timely gap to trust him. There's no, no, no guarantee for tomorrow. And Bible is very clear, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what they may bring forth. So he had to seize that moment. And I asked him, are you willing to seize this moment and be saved this night? And he said, yes. I will trust him. And I asked him, you want to pray in your own words? Yes. So he prayed. And I prayed. The point is, he had a tiny, tiny discernment to practice his faith. When I trusted Christ a long time ago, Sunday evening after a service, I do not even remember what was preached on that night. The pastor preached, gave an invitation, I raised my hand. At that time, first time I ever heard the gospel, and I thought that's what people do when they ask to raise their hand if you're concerned about your spiritual matters. And being a very naive student at the time, I simply raised my hand. And after that, 
pastor asked, okay, if you raise your hand, come forward and we'll try to counsel. And I simply went forward and I was counseled by an associate pastor there. And that was the night I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Did I know the Bible? Not really. Did you fully understand all the implications of the salvation itself? No, not really. There are a lot of things I did not understand and a lot of things perhaps I was questionable about at that time. But our pastor made it clear. You're a sinner. There's a penalty for sin, which is death and hell. But Jesus Christ died for you. He became your substitute. And by trusting him as your savior, you can have all your sins forgiven and you will be on your way to heaven as a child of God. That part, at least, I understood and I believed. I took that moment. I took that decision at that time. A timely decision to practice my little faith at the time. When was the last time you practiced your timing? Are you saved this morning? If you're in a church, I'm sure you heard the gospel. You've been to a church many times in the past, I'm sure. I'm sure there was an opportunity, one or two opportunities, where you could have trusted Christ. But for various reasons, you might have said, no, not tonight, Pastor, not today. Perhaps another time, later on, I'm so busy, I'm so much work to be done, and everything else, you might have procrastinated at that time. Guess what? You missed your chance. You missed your timely discernment of your faith. You missed it. You could have said, yes, I want to be saved. I want to be a child of God. I want to enjoy the blessings of the Bible. I want to go to heaven. You could have said that and you could have exercised your faith and be saved. But for whatever reason you did not, if that is your case, you missed your timing. Do you need to be baptized? By all means, baptized. By all means, we'll make it possible for you anytime you desire. You need to be baptized because that's a commandment from God. It's not just the, uh, just the ordinance that the, you have an option to do or not. It's a commandment from God. It's a first step of obedience to God. Do not expect God will continue to bless you without being baptized. That's not the case. That's not the way we become Christians. We be saved first, we be baptized, we be part of a Bible preaching church, and we become a child of God by being trained in a church. That's the kind of God's laid out plan for us. And unless you're willing to take your timing, the faith, you're not going to grow. When was the last time you take? Yeah. When was your timing of faith? It is important. No, it is, <coughs> it is imperative <coughs> that we need to take. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm losing my. <coughs> I shouldn't be screaming so much. <laughs> <laughs>
Excuse me, yeah. So the woman, <clears throat> her timing was perfect. She seized the opportunity to seek help from God. She exercised her faith. So brothers and sisters, if you're saved, there may be an area that you have not really exercised your faith. Do not procrastinate. Just do it. By if you know it's right, do it. Take a stand. And God will honor it, and God will bless you for it. So from this encounter, I see the, uh, her uh, timing of faith. Then secondly, I see a test of faith. Look with him, verse 23. But he answered her not a word. She's desperate, seeking help, but nobody is paying attention to her. 23 says, he answered her not a word. And his disciples said, just send her away. In verse 24, still Christ did not say anything. Oh, he did say something. He said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That sounds very degrading. That sounds very insulting. Christ is saying, no, no, no. I don't care. You're a Gentile. And you're a woman. I have no attention for you. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. As if Christ had no interest in a situation. In other words, your test, as this woman's case, will be tested when you exercise your faith. It's not going to be tested when you simply have it. I'm saved. I'm baptized. I'm a part of Bible Baptist Church here but nobody's going to persecute you for that. Okay? Nobody's going to be critical just for that. As a matter of fact, a lot of people around you say, oh, praise the Lord, that's a great thing to do. No real opposition against you. But as soon as she said, help me, Lord, there's an opposition coming from disciples, opposition coming from the Lord himself. For our faith to be meaningful, it needs to be tested. Without our faith being tested for adversity, we're not going to grow. It's like your muscle growth. Yeah. Your tissues need to be torn apart or break so your muscle can grow. Your faith is going to be tested but it's a very negative for this woman. Even It seems Christ even saying, wow, I've got no interest for you. It seems that way. Okay. But notice what her response was to all this negativity in verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him. She did not care. She simply worshipped Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, help me. Her faith has not changed. It's being tested right now, but she remained very positive. 
As long as I stay with this man, as long as I plead, God will do something for me in the end, and she did not lose her faith when she responded, when he tried to respond positively, notice what Jesus said in verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. That is really, really insulting. It sounds like a very racist kind of a remark. Basically, Gentiles in those times were regarded as dogs. The Jews treated Gentiles as dogs. And Christ is saying, I cannot give this bread to you, the children's bread, the Jewish bread, to you because you are, pardon the expression, a dog. That's the kind of imp impression we get. What would somebody come to you and say, hey, I don't treat you, you're, you're a woman, you're a Gentile. To us, you're just like dogs. If somebody says that to you, what did you do? What did you do? You'll continue to worship me. Yes, Lord, you're right. You're right. I'm a dog. Nobody will respond to that way. But notice how the woman responded to his, in a sense, derogative kind of a comment there in verse 27. And she said, Truth, Lord. You're right, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Do you think you can say that in a situation like this? Let's say that somebody comes to me and says, you're a Korean, I don't like you. I don't like Koreans. They stink. They, like, they eat garlic or whatever. <laughs> and what is your, oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm great. That's a great comment. Thank you very much. Yeah. Would you respond that way? Certainly not. You'll try to throw your punch at him or something. But this is what this woman did. Truth, Lord. You're right. You came for the Jews. I understand that. It is your truth. Yes, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Can you say that? Can you really say that, though? You cannot say something like this unless you have some convictions within your heart. Unless you are principle-driven, you cannot say anything like this. This woman, not a Jewess, but she knew some spiritual principles and she seems decided to go by them. No matter what you say, Lord, I know who you are. I have some understanding of you and I have certain principles I decide to live by. So no matter what you say, I'm still going to stay and seek your, seek your help. Truth, Lord, but even the dogs... I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything but even the dogs eat the crumbs off the master's table. Christians, 
unless, let's say somebody said, come to me, you're a Korean because I hate you, that kind of, let's say, unless I have some principles in my heart, no matter what happens, I will respect everybody. I will, I will, I will listen to everybody. I may not understand fully different ethnic groups, different people. I may not, but I'm not going to argue against them. I'm not going to fight against them because that is my principle. If that is one of my principles, I can easily walk away from it. Okay, I understand. Okay, okay, have a good day. I may walk away because of some spiritual principles I may have. This woman was willing to argue with Jesus Christ. She was very adamant about it. She was audacious. She was resilient. Okay, Jesus, I understand. Truth, Lord, I understand what you're saying, where you're coming from. But even the dogs have the right to receive your blessings. Spiritual principle. When I became a Christian, I decided to attend every service that I can. Every time the doors are open at my church, I will be there. More than anything, pastor can count on me. Whenever there's something, whether it's a revival meeting, whether it's a special meeting or whatever, pastor can count on me that I'll be there no matter what. That is one of my principles I lived by for the last 45 years. I got saved Sunday evening. I was out Tuesday evening for visitation. I was out Wednesday night for Wednesday night service. I was out Saturday morning for uh, soul winning. I was out on Sunday morning for Sunday morning service. I was out Sunday evening for Sunday evening service. That was the first week after my salvation. And that's the program that I've been living by the last 40 years or so. Conviction. No matter what, this is the way I will live. Yes, everybody may reject us. Everybody may walk away from us. Everybody may Just like Joshua, what he said. But as for me in my house, yes, you can serve the, uh, the, what, the, the idols there. The, you can Amalekite, whatever. You can do whatever you like. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a principle, that's a conviction, unless you and I have something like this, backbone, something that will keep you going, you're going to lose your faith. Mark it down. You're going to lose your faith, your children are going to walk away from faith, our teens are going to walk away, our young people are going to walk away, and you are going to walk away from unless there's some spiritual conviction that you decided to live by. My first Life motto is, I live by the principles of the Bible. That's the first thing. I got three principles, simple. They may change occasionally, but the, uh, the first, I will live by the principles of the Bible. Number two, I'll live for others. Number three, I'll do everything to maximize my given talent to serve people. Three things. When was the last time you took a stand for Christ? 
When was the last time you take a stand for Christ in relation to your career? Was God part of your plan? Did you seriously ask God about your plan? Do you even know why we are created here? Do you even know why we are still living on planet here? Have you consulted God in relation to your career, your business, your marriage, your life in general? When was the last time you took a stand for Christ? Unless you're willing, you're not going to go very far. Young people, if you're dating, take a stand. Next time you meet your boy or girlfriend, this is what you need to do. I have something to tell you. Okay, listen carefully because this is very serious. You say, all right, I'm a born-again Christian. I want you to be a born-again Christian too. I cannot date a person who is not willing to be saved. And I cannot marry a person who is not a born-again Christian. How can you possibly build a family if you walk separate ways spiritually? Unless you and I agree on some certain principles, how can we raise our children the way God is designed for us? You have this conversation before you ring the bell, before you get married, before you become too serious. Talk to the person. If the person, the boy or girl says, no, 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 no. Your faith is yours and mine is mine and we'll do whatever we please. If that's the case, walk away from it. That's your courage. That's your principle. That's your backbone. When you do that, sooner or later, that person will come after you. Because you took a stand. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I'll serve the Lord. If you do not agree with me, sorry, no matter how much you and I like each other, it cannot be done. Because my principle is, yeah, listen to that woman. What did she say? Okay, Lord, truth, Lord. Yes, I understand that what you're saying. Yes, but even the dogs, she took a stand. And we'll see the reaction of Christ after that, but she took a stand. Brothers and sisters, your, test is going to be, your, your faith is going to be tested. Yeah. We are in the States. We are not really being persecuted in this country. Yeah. When was the last time that the uh, American pastor was killed because he was preaching the gospel? When was the last time that the mob crowded into a church building and started beating up everybody? We don't hear this in this country. But all around the world, tremendous persecution is still going on against Christians, against pastors. Yeah. We are really in a kind of a secluded, very protective kind of in a little, uh, little cocoon that we are living in, really. We are very, very safe, yeah. Yeah. And we feel that the, because we are so safe, we feel that we are spiritually that great. No. No. Yeah. You talk to some of the missionaries. You talk to some of the local pastors in different countries. Our life here in the United States is to them 
It's nothing. We got to live by some principles. Because time will come. Your test, my test, my faith will be tested in this country as well. I'm not waiting for it. I'm not afraid of that. I rejoice what I have today. I'm very happy today. Most, I'm very, very content. Yeah, yeah. Muy contento, right? Why? Because, yeah, we're a country in a freedom and we enjoy our freedom and the, I enjoy what, what we have. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we got to have some principles, some backbones, some spine that will keep us going in times of trouble. Then finally, I want you to see her testimony of faith, her testimony of faith. Verse 28, this is what Jesus replied back to the woman. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. When was the last time Jesus said, great is thy faith? He said that to a centurion. He marveled at the Gentile centurion. Your faith is great. And here Jesus is saying, Woman, great is thy faith. Why was the faith so great in the eyes of Jesus? Two points we mentioned. Because the faith was practiced timely. Then she was tested. She passed the test of faith. She has some principles. And he, Christ was impressed. And he said, great is thy faith. And her faith was displayed. Bible says her daughter was healed. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Then her faith was demonstrated. Let me make this point that I'm done. This may be the most important point of our sermon this morning. Her faith is clearly manifested. And Christ was pleased, and he said, great is thy faith. There must be some reasons behind that. Why is God so marvelous? I'm sure there are a lot of men and women who are faithful, in the Bible, and not even not mentioned, but why this particular one so much? Why even mention in the Bible for our learning? There must be a reason for that. When the woman perceived the need, when she pursued for a goal, now we know that the uh, Christ was impressed. We know her daughter was healed. Now we know that Jesus demonstrated a number of things through these events. To begin with, we see the love of Jesus Christ, not for the Jews, but for the uh, Gentiles as well. So Jesus' love is clearly universal through this event. And we also see that the God's plan is being vindicated here. In other words, salvation is for all of us. Whether you're a Gentile, whether you're a Jew, it's for all. Another clear uh, program of God is vindicated. Then we also see that the disciples are truly convinced now. What they were saying, oh, you're just a bunch of dogs and we're not going to you know, treat you. That was kind of their attitude, cultural kind of stigma they had. But now they are saying, yeah, 
We are all one in Christ. So these were all happening. But when these things manifest, we, we say God is being glorified. We say God is glorified when God's character or who God is somewhat manifested outwardly. When Jesus treated this woman rightly at the end, everybody knew that's God. God is universal. God's love is for all of us. God can save anyone who desires. And the disciples were convinced. So when this happens, we say, praise the Lord. Or we say, glory to God. And we say, his name is being glorified. When God created us, he created us in the image of God. Pardon me, I, that's not a correct statement. When Adam was created, Adam was created in the image of God. Let me ask a question. Whose image do you have on a $1 bill? Thank you. You sure? Not Lincoln? Okay. Whose image on $5 bill? Oh, Lincoln, okay. Not Washington? Okay. How about $10 bill? $10 bill? Hamilton, yes, yes, good. How about $20 bill? Yes, thank you, Jackson. I was so poor, so we have no. God is not blessing us anymore or something? Oh, you all use credit cards, that's why. Stop using credit cards because you don't have these images there. Okay. How about a $100 bill? Oh, Franklin, yes. What am I saying? So we can waste our time? No. When you see a dollar bill, what do you see? You see? You see the image on at least one image of Washington, right? Yeah. You do not see Washington in person, but immediately when you see the, oh, that's Washington, yeah. Because an image of Washington. When Adam was created, he was created in the image of God. In other words, to manifest or to demonstrate God outwardly. So when this, before sin came in, when Eve first saw Adam, Adam was just like God, an image of God. When Adam saw Eve, at least for a while, Eve was just an image of God's creation. So the perfect reflection or perfect representation of God, that's how we are created, uh, at least we are created at the beginning, but sin came in. And our image has been tainted. So when you look at a dollar bill, you, you think it's, it, there's an image, but you cannot really see it very clearly. It could be uh, Washington, it could be somebody else. You cannot really see the difference there. That's how our image of God has tainted now. That's how we are born. When we are born with sinful nature, 
That's the way we are born. Our image has been tainted. When you trust Christ, new nature will come in and our image will continue to improve. In other words, our image will become more like the way God designed at the beginning. It's being restored. We have become more like Jesus. We have become more like image of God. And our speech, our dress, the way we eat, the way we drink, everything. Because the Bible is very clear by saying that whether therefore you eat, or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, I should be able to see some image of God from your life. Okay? If not, your image is terribly tainted here. So when Jesus did this, this woman, and she was, uh, she was obviously, but the Christ was so impressed with that, because out of all this, God was glorified. People begin to realize who true God is. That's the whole reason that we exist today. We are created, we are ex- created, and you are still um, living because of that reason. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are all created for God's pleasure. We are created today that we may demonstrate His image, demonstrate who God is. So in other words, this woman's whole action, her testimony was, it became a glory, it was a glorify the name of Jesus Christ. People need to see Christ through us. This dying world cannot see God except through our churches. This world cannot see the true God unless you and I live differently. We are the only ones in this life to demonstrate who true God is. We can see the creation, we can have the conscience, everything, but we, unless we as a church as Christians or born-again God children, unless we demonstrate some faith, people may not see who true God is. But the woman, she had some timely decisions made. This woman has some convictions in her heart, and because of that, God was tremendously pleased, and his name was glorified. And I hope and pray this morning that we will share some of her faith with us. We may not all become like her, but we can certainly learn from her life, and we may all demonstrate God's through our lives, and God may be pleased through our life here on earth.